Celsius. It is the Pewter Post Game Show where we are going to talk about what was an absolute debacle of a performance put on by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today as they got blasted by Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers to the tune of 35 to 7. Scott, this game was over in the first half. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is my co-host and the face that runs the place of pewterreport.com, Scott Reynolds. Scott, this was there. This was abysmal. Absolutely yeah, abysmal. And in my opinion, their worst game of the season. In a season where they've had some really bad losses, <laughs> yeah. this was the most pitiful out of all of them. It, it was. Um, I, I honestly think the Carolina game was worse just because Carolina wasn't good at that point in time. That 21-3 to loss was, was inexcusable. The 49ers are a good team. And actually, yeah. look out. The Steve Wilkes Carolina Panthers are becoming are win a the division. <laughs> decent team. Yeah, they very well could win the division. It's going to come down to the Buccaneers playing their last two games at home against Carolina and then on the road against the Falcons for the division title in this absolute crap fest, which is the NFC South. But Todd Bowles said it. This is a team, the Buccaneers, that got their ass kicked on defense, ass kicked on offense, and as Tom Brady says, in this business, you either kick ass or you get your ass kicked. And this was an ass kicking today by the 49ers. And, and you know, and then a lot of people are going to say, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, beat Tom Brady. And that's that's a fact. It happened. It did. And if you read Bailey Adams' uh, story about Todd Bowles and the Bucks defense, and it goes back further from Bowles, this is a, a franchise historically that has led bad quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks, even when Monty Kippen was the defensive coordinator, have their way against the Buccaneers. It's it's kind of sickening. Uh, it's it's a sick, twisted fact that a lot of old-time Bucs fans uh, know far too well. But this is a system. The 49ers have a system. It's, cool. it's quarterback-proof. It, it is quarterback-proof. Really <laughs> Josh Johnson at the end of the game ran it, you know, to, to perfection. Uh, it's it's just it's a good system and and they've got some talent. They even lost Debo Samuel during the game, um, you know. But they've got enough talent. Uh, when you look at you know, and he wasn't a huge uh, contributor today, but George Kittle, right, is a player that can just yeah. step up and 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 make some plays. Christian McCaffrey, you know, we've seen what what ha- what can happen when Christian McCaffrey is healthy, first of all, and then running behind a good offensive line like the 49ers rather than a bad offensive line, which he had for so many years in Carolina. And you combine that with uh, a great performance by McCaffrey and an absolute crappy performance by the Bucks defense. And this is what you get. And and I think that football is, is a game of momentum. And I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you this, I'm not trying to make excuses for this team. I know this team has Tom Brady and I know that there's enough weapons to play better offensively than, than what they are right now. But the margin for error on this Buccaneer team is razor thin. It's been razor thin the entire season. We saw that back in week two against the New Orleans Saints when it was a 3-3 game, Matt, until they started getting takeaways. And then Brashad Perryman, of all people, caught a touchdown pass. And then you had a Mike Edwards pick six. 
and and the the comeback win against a bad Rams team, the comeback win against a bad Saints team last week. The margin for error with this Buccaneer team is slim. And when you drop a wide open touchdown pass in Carolina, like Mike Evans did, and you've got a, a holding penalty against Donovan Smith, who's playing absolutely bad football right now that takes a touchdown off the board that would have tied this game at 7-7, it's momentum killing. Yeah. Momentum is real. Tom Brady even said it. I know that there's some analytics people out there that that can't measure it, so they they kind of ignore it. But it's a real thing. Football is an emotional game. And who knows what happens in Carolina if the Buccaneers jump out 7-0? Who knows what happens in this game if, if it's 7-7, right? Um, we're not going to know. We're not going to find out. Both of those were really, really bad losses by this Buccaneer team. But my point is, Matt, is whether it's a Keanu Neal penalty on the first play of the game, right, that, that takes momentum away from the defense, or Donovan Smith's holding penalty that takes off a second touchdown off the board in, in as many weeks, momentum just makes that razor-thin margin for error just poof. And, and it puts the Buccaneers behind the eight ball, on in this case, on both sides of the ball. Scott, you couldn't be more accurate. I was going to say, I mean, you, you mentioned razor-thin, margin for error being very small. Um, there's so many points in this game that you could turn to and say, if things went the Bucks way on this specific play, they're right in it. I mean, the yeah. first play of the game, as you mentioned, Keanu Neal makes the hit just a little bit lower. You know, yeah. big play by the Bucks. start out with the right. sack. They got Brock Purdy's number. Hey, let's remember, yeah. the 49ers scored on that opening drive. So that changes That's it right. right there. The holding penalty on Donovan Smith on Mike Evans' touchdown, again, changes everything. How about, and I agree with the Bucs going for it on fourth down when Brady, and this was a bad throw by Tom Brady, unless there's miscommunication and Brady yeah. thought Evans was supposed to stay in a spot in the end zone. Yeah. The throw to Mike Evans on fourth down was a bad throw. Yeah. Evans was open. You could see it as soon as he got open. Oh, yeah. But you got to think, if he scores that, it's 21-7, to 7 and the, ball, the Bucs are getting the ball at halftime. Right. But again... Small margin of error. Yeah. Anthony Nelson gets an interception. And this yep. was a bad call by the refs. Horrible the refs call. had a terrible game. They called yep. a holding on, on Carlton Davis when it really looked like Jawan Jennings, I believe, was the receiver. Yeah. That he slipped. Right. That negates and, the penalty. And, and, and Carlton pushed him down, and you've got five yards. You can pretty yeah. much <laughs> mug the guy. You can do anything but literally hold him. And he wasn't holding him. He took his shoulder as he was slipping and pushed him down, which is and the right thing to do. literally the next play – it's a, a wide open touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. So you go yep. from getting an interception and you're only going to be down 21 nothing, which for right. the Bucs would still be a huge hill to climb. Yes. But at least you're like still like, hey, we get the ball at right. halftime. We score on the opening drive. You never yep. know what can happen. The game was done there. 28 nothing, yep. absolutely done. So you're looking at a possibility where, sure, Bucs score a touchdown, they kick it off and it's a little bit different. The Bucs could have been down 21-14 at halftime, yeah. and you have yourself a ball game going into the second half. But uh, And listen, the refs were bad, but it's not an excuse for the way that the Bucs played. I mean, you go yeah. down 28 nothing. We said in the past, you know, when the Bucs went up against Trevor Simeon and yeah. um, Taylor Heineke last season, the Bucs made those quarterbacks look like Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Well, Brock Purdy looked like an all-pro the way that he was slinging oh, yeah. it. He looked comfortable. Outside of that blitz to Keanu Neal on the first play, 
no one was getting remotely close to Brock Purdy. Right. He was having fun. He was cool, calm, collected. He was dropping dimes. You know, the yep. Christian McCaffrey on the touchdown, close play, looked like he bobbled it, but great pass. He hit the wide open guy when Tom Brady had wide open guys and Tom just missed him. Whether it was Scotty Miller, who was two steps ahead of his defender on that deep ball to him, whether it was, uh, I think there was yep. a play to Julio. I wrote it down. Yeah, there's a play to Julio where Julio mm-hmm. had his guy beat, and it was just a bad throw. And then the mis- the the lack of in syncness with uh, with Mike Evans still rears its ugly head to the point that they're now it chirping does. at each other on the sidelines. So yeah. I mean, it went from bad to yeah. worse in this game. If, they were if bad I was on Mike offense, Evans, they were bad on defense. Yeah. If I was Mike Evans, and and I think that chirping that was caught on the Fox cameras happened before. That that touch or the, the, the what should have been a touchdown on on the fourth down. I could be wrong, but but uh, as as Brady said, that was a shitty throw. He even said that in my exact yeah. quote was uh, his exact quote was it was a shitty throw by me, and and it was, and and as, as a result, you know, um, he's pressing too hard. Um, Evans is, is he and Evans are not on the same page, and I can't understand it for the life of me. It makes no sense because it, these two have played together for two years. So it I, makes no I, I'm sense. Not, not sure what what's happening there. And and and, and listen, I, I'm seeing a lot of things here about fire about iron level, which and all that. It, that's not happening. Todd Bull said it, and I'll, I will. Uh, let's see here. Did we lose Matt? There we go. Yeah, you were breaking right. up a little bit. Are I don't know there? if it was my end or yeah, I'm Matt, here. You Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. All right. All right. Let me quote here. When asked about making changes to the to the coaching staff, uh, he says we always tweak things, some things. It's way too late in the season to flat out change. Matt, are you there? Yeah. Sorry, I'm having some internet issues here at my house. Hey, that's all um, right. But this uh, is what what uh, Todd Bowles. This was I was just yeah. gonna say this real quick. This is what Todd Bowles said about Byron Leftwich. He says we always tweak some things, but it's way too late in the season to flat out change systems in place. But you can coach it better, and you can play it better anytime you win. It's coaching and playing together. Anytime you lose, it's coaching. What is that? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we had a lot of people on the game day stream today that that we're talking about. They got to fire Bowles and Leftwich, and they got to get rid of Leftwich. It's just not going to happen this late in the season. It's uh, th- this is this is the ship that they're essentially going down with. No pun intended to the the big pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium. But this is inevitably what they're going with. They can't make changes at this point. It, it would be too too erroneous to, to get into even as bad as as the bucks have been um across the board i see a couple super chats we're going to get to that in a moment but first let's talk about our friends over at celsius the presenting sponsor of the pewter report podcast uh we love celsius for so many different reasons starting off with the variety of flavors that they have uh, you see the arctic peach and tropical vibes uh, on the screen there they have a ton of other flavors from the uh sparkling wild berry to the original orange to the watermelon to uh the cucumber lime flavor the cola i'm also rocking a watermelon berry flavor right now which 
Uh, I desperately needed to get through this live stream. Not that I didn't have fun in the live stream, but it does kind of sap your energy a little bit when the Bucks go down 28 nothing and the game is done <laughs> uh, before it can even get going. So variety of flavors uh, for Celsius. Seven essential vitamins is the key. It's the healthy version of an energy drink. Uh, zero sugar or preservative. So you don't get that post-energy drink crash that you might get with uh, some other products. Go to the Celsius store locator on their website. Find out where you can get one near you. It's your local Walmart, Target, uh, convenience store, bodega, whatever it is. Bodega. And uh, bodega. And um, if you want to get them in bulk, you can do that too. You can uh, do the subscribe and save over on Amazon. Get them in bulk. I'd recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And have it set up every one, two, or three weeks to have it sent to your house or apartment. Your uh, your choice. Totally up to you. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. That's hashtag Celsius Live Fit, hashtag Celsius Energy. So uh, we got a couple super chats to get into. Appreciate everyone that has given us the super chats. Got a ton of comments yeah. in here, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, sometimes it's tough to navigate yes. through them to find those super chats. Yeah, we appreciate, we appreciate you, Peter people. Yeah, hanging in there. Absolutely. Rocking with us on a Sunday night. And um, if you do super chat us, you get to cut the line. We will put your That's uh, right. comment up right away. So, Brian Shaw, thank you for the $5 super chat. Brady looked like he wanted to cry at the post-game conference. Uh, some people don't want to hear it, but Brady's arm has gotten worse and worse. Injury. So, to Brady crying or, you know, his being upset, he's kind of like that after every loss. I wouldn't necessarily narrow it down to just yeah. this game. Um, obviously, it doesn't help when you yeah. know, you're in your own hometown, you're playing in front of friends and family, and the game was as bad a as it was. Um, yeah. As far as the injury thing, I mean, we saw he hit his hand on the helmet of a 49ers player. Overall, like he has the arm strength. He's just been inaccurate. Um, I'm sure he's not playing yeah. 100%, but to the point where it's affecting everything that he's doing. I don't necessarily know about that one. Uh, what, what would you say, Scott? Well, I mean, he, some of those passes were underthrown, right? He had Scotty Miller open down the field, and and that was underthrown. He also had Julio Jones, who was who was open down the field, and he was underthrown as well. So, I, you know, I, I think that that there are some some concerns with the deep ball. He's just been inaccurate this this season. Uh, they're having a couple of them, like the Mike Edwards. That was, you know, I'm sorry, the Mike Evans. That was fine. He, you know, he hit him in stride. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a touchdown, if not for the Donovan Smith penalty. But it's been really scattershot. Brady was more accurate down the field in 2020 and also 2021. Um, listen, at the same time, the guy's 45 years old. Matt, he put up 55 passes today. I think it was the seventh or eighth most passes he's ever thrown in a game in his career. That's way too many passes. And as Brady even said, once it becomes, you know, a pass fest, as he said in his uh, postgame press conference, it's just easier to defend. And he's also taken some, some chances, too. Right. I mean, he's just letting it fly and hoping and praying at this point in time when you're down right. by that many points. Um, you know, you're you're just going to be throwing it into the wind a little bit. And, and it was raining at the end of the game. I'm not making excuses for the guy. He played awful. This, yeah. was, this was not a good game by Tom Brady whatsoever. Um, his his only touchdown was was a fluke. Uh, yeah, Russell it went Gage over Chris it, Godwin so, and Russell Gage yeah. caught it. So I'm not making apologies or excuses for Tom Brady. He did hit his hand. It was raining at the end of the game. 
he had some flat out misses too. The shittiest throw of the game was was the one where he missed uh, Mike Evans for what should have been a touchdown on fourth down when they got in the red zone there. But that's just how it's been this year. This is a this is an offense, especially that has a razor thin margin of talent. This is the same playbook that they've run the last two years. Byron Leftwich is not making many adjustments. Matter of fact, we saw the same stupid ass wide receiver screens that almost got picked sixth. And honestly, I, I hope one of these, these get picked sixth. I really do. Cause I can't wait to ask Byron Leftwich, Hey, can you shove the wide receiver screen maybe for the last three or four games of the year? You've only thrown it maybe 60 to 70 times, maybe even more this season. And it's just becoming so predictable and it's yeah. not effective. What does it get? Three yards? Exactly. I mean, yeah, God, yeah. run the ball with Rashad White. He's getting more than three <laughs> yards a carry. You know what the problem is, Scott? And first of all, uh, shout out to Dalton G for the four ninety nine super chat. Kind of goes thank with the guys. same with our previous yeah. one, but thank you. Uh, don't think Brady's washed. Just can't carry. Yeah. Uh, team can't seem to uh, carry the team. He's saying team can't seem to overcome these penalties or missed opportunities. But to your point about um, Chris Godwin, like he made a nice play down the field on like a 20 yard reception over the middle. And that's like the vintage Chris Godwin. And, you know, we talk about, Oh, he's great with the yards after the catch. And we, I was talking about this earlier with Josh Capo on the pregame show. Chris Godwin was great at the yak, the yards after the catch when he was making the reception 15 to 20 yards down the field. And then he's juking the defender or a couple of defensive backs. It doesn't work the same when you're getting the screen at the line of scrimmage and you have linebackers and multiple defensive backs and D linemen running at you. It seems like the bucks and Byron Leftwich decided, Oh, Chris, you're good at yards after the catch before your injury. And still after your injury that we're just going to give it to you like a hot potato, like, Oh, Chris, okay, do something with it. Like at the line of scrimmage, that's not how it works, especially for Chris Godwin. He makes the play down the field and he goes even further than that, but just giving him the stupid screen at the line of scrimmage. And they don't even like, the best part about a screen is that you don't see it coming. It's disguised. It happens every now and then. They run it on their first series, and then they run it on the next series, and the next series, and the next series. Yeah. That takes away. Part of the screen game is the element of surprise. You think, oh, I got a good pass right. rush here. No. When it happens six, seven times in a game, and it's the same type of screen, yeah. you know it's coming. There's nothing special about the screen at all. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a, a question here by Orlando. Why is light not forcing a change at this time? A change anywhere is needed. You're so late into the season. Uh, you first of all, you're not going to fire Todd Bowles right now. It's not going to happen. I, I would, I would suspect, unless the Buccaneers go zero and four down the stretch, that that Bowles comes back for next year with the new offensive coordinator. I'm not going to report that the Buccaneers are going to fire by our left, which, but I'm going to pretty much tell you that I have a strong hunch that Byron Leftwich is not going to be back next year, nor uh, will some of these offensive coaches. And I think that Bulls will get an opportunity to hire a new offensive coordinator. I think Jay probably should have some input in that. I wouldn't necessarily try all of that on Todd Bowles. Uh, but but the thing is this. Uh, I think when you look at this at this offensive coaching staff, remember, Todd Bowles inherited this coaching staff. This is Bruce Arians coaching staff. And why isn't it not working out right now? Why aren't they scoring 30 points per game? Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, and they're down Tristan Wirfs, Ali Marpet, and Ryan Jensen, right? That's five out of six offensive starters, right, from last year and from 2020 when they won the Super Bowl. That's nearly half, 
Okay. And then you've got Donovan Smith, who's not playing well. You've got no. Mike Evans, who's not playing well. And Tom Brady, who's not playing as well as he did. And Chris Godwin coming back from an injury. This offense is not the same as it was the last two years. The problem, though, is, Matt, is Byron Leftwich is, is trying to run the same offense, thinking that mm-hmm. he has Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. And, and, folks, listen, I've had it confirmed by people organization. The Buccaneers simply out-talented people. When you've got the greatest quarterback in the history of the game that can spot the mismatch and know where he wants to go with the ball pre-snap, based yeah. upon personnel and and the, the coverage, right, the, the pre-snap read, okay? And you've got Mike Evans, a future Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer in Rob Gronkowski, a $20 million wide receiver, and Chris Godwin, who's made a Pro Bowl and, and you know, been over 1,000 yards, and a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver who's a jackass in Antonio Brown. Who are you <laughs> going to double cover? Yeah, one exactly. or two of those guys is going to, to have an extremely favorable one-on-one. Okay? And you've got an offensive line with the better playing Donovan Smith and Alex Kappa at right guard who cashed in in Cincinnati in free agency. In three Pro Bowlers are the other guys. Tom Brady had time to throw, and he could find the open guy. Okay? And, and again, half of those guys over the last two years in the starting offensive lineup are gone. And, and the Buccaneers can no longer out-talent people on offense. And you have an offensive coordinator that simply can't adapt because he has tunnel vision on this Arians playbook because that's all he's known. He grew up in it in Pittsburgh when he was a backup. Yeah. He coached it in Arizona. He's coached it here in Tampa. That's all he knows. And so he's not reacting to what is happening out there defensively. He's simply just dialing up plays. He's looking at plays and picking up plays. And that's why and, you're that's why you're seeing the, this offense stall and stall and stall and and not be successful because he can't make any adjustments because honestly he's a fraud. He is. I I totally I I agree with what you're saying. I get with what you're saying um with, with all the the missing talent this year, everyone that you rattled off. I still don't think at this point in December it's enough of an excuse. This team is still talented enough to play way better than what they're playing. Because as we talked about like two weeks ago, the Bucs offense just has to be run of the mill. Like they don't even have to be great right Right now. Just score 22 points. Just just be 16th in the league. The the past two weeks, they have looked inept with the exception of three minutes to go in the fourth quarter against the Saints on Monday Night Football. Besides that, they have looked absolutely inept i want to get to a couple of super chats so thank you cat i'll answer that in a question uh answer that question in a second uh there's a comment from nate that i had up for a little bit about don't uh don't coaches get fired at this point in the season well here's the difference coaches either get fired early in the year when a team is underperforming kind of like the panthers and you think you might have enough time to turn it around or in the panthers just continue to tank but openly uh you know show it to the world but they're actually completely overperforming or you fire a coach with like a game or two left in the season when you're completely out of the playoffs and you're playing for a draft pick. Yeah. The Bucks are in the unique situation where they're still in the race for the division, despite having a record that's under 500. So that's why none of the coaches are getting fired. Uh Max here. Thank you for the $2 super chat. Do we even think the Bucks will finish above 500? Well, let's see their next the, their their games to close out the season are uh, the Bengals, the Cardinals, and then the 
the Panthers and the Falcons. I forget if it's Panthers, Falcons or Falcons, Panthers, but either way, that's how they, that's how they finish the season. Uh, I definitely don't think they're beating the Panthers next week. The Cardinals, I think is the last game on that schedule that I legitimately think, okay, the Bucks can win this. I don't know if I'm picking yeah. them against the Panthers and I don't know if I'm picking them against the Falcons, the way that they have looked. So can they end the season uh, above 500? Yes. But I mean, we're looking next week. They're going to be two games probably below 500 and you have to win yeah. two of them just to be at 500. So to answer your question, no, I don't really see it. I, I don't either. I think the, the, the winner of this division is going to be eight, and nine. I think that's how it's going to end up shaking out. And it might be the Buccaneers, but yeah. they have to go two and two down the stretch. And honestly, if you're Tampa Bay, you want those wins to be against Carolina and the Falcons to pretty much assure them of that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I listen, if you, if you listen to me, I thought the Buccaneers were going to win this game by a point. Yeah. And who, <laughs> again, who knows what would have happened if some of those momentum changing plays would have occurred earlier in this game, but everything, including some of the calls later in the game, like that Carlton Davis ridiculous holding penalty that negated the Anthony Nelson interception, just everything just snowballed in the Buccaneers and his tie bowls accurately said after the game, uh, this, this, the Buccaneers were facing the 49ers and the Bucks today. And you can't beat yeah. both teams. <laughs> no, you, you can't, uh, thank, appreciate. And thank you to, uh, Tanner James Gauff, uh, for the $5 super chat. That game costs $200 per ticket to attend, and I'm cold, wet, and now sad. WTF, Tampa. Uh, well, Tanner, um, I was going to say, I hope you had a good time at the game, but evidently you did not. God bless uh, you, at least, Hey, at least you can look back on this game and say, I got to see. I don't know if you've been to games before. I don't know if that was your first game, but at least you can say, I got to see Tom Brady play live. Uh, you don't have to tell anyone what the score was or how the game went, but you could say, I saw Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, right. live in person in a game. So uh, and positive spin asking, zone. But... <laughs> trying, Yeah, try, trying to spin it, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, Buck, uh, Buck Daddy. Daddy. I could see it. Steve Wilkes, credit to him. You know, what, what a great job uh, by Wilkes so far to go four and four down the stretch here and, and put the Panthers in position to possibly win this thing. Listen, if they come in and beat Tampa in two weeks at Raymond James Stadium, it's it's a wrap, um, you know, and it comes down to that last week. Yeah, it yeah, very well could be a wrap, depending on, on what the Bucks do between now and then. Uh, Scott, what makes you think Bowles can hire a good offensive coordinator? He has shown nothing that says he can make a good decision as a head coach. Uh, I don't think the decisions could be totally him. I think Jason Light will have some input there. It'll be a joint decision. And we'll see um, the, the guy that I would like to see uh, in the OC spot next year is Todd Bunkin, the Georgia offensive yep. coordinator. Talked about that last record episode. saying that. Yep. So, um, you know, and Bowles does know Munkin. Uh, Bowles, son, uh, Troy, is going to be a linebacker at Georgia next year. Bowles has, you know, been to Georgia. He knows Kirby smart and, and uh, during the pro days and, and, you know, all those, those circuits. Um, Todd Munkin, I, I know, has some friends in the building from his first stint here as a quarterback or actually a wide receivers coach. And, you know, and, and certainly uh, the offensive coordinator for a couple games when Dirk Cutter was the head coach. I remember that that season opening win at New Orleans it was a 48 40 when yeah, with Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick came out yeah, bombs yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a, a it was a uh, that might have been uh, like my first game with the yeah. report. Uh, yeah, that was a Todd Munkin called game. Home. You know, yes, um, that was. was yeah, was remember all... that? 
there that was the whole back and forth like is Todd yeah. gonna call the plays is Kurt, Dirk Cutter gonna call the right. plays and it, like kept going back and forth there was a constant yeah. like will they won't they who's going right. to yeah uh, yeah I, I prefer to when that. Todd calls the plays and he's done yeah. very well at Georgia so we'll see I mean, by the way what a yeah. uh what a trade or what a, what a barter going on Todd Bowles like all right Georgia my son's gonna play for you guys but I'm taking your <laughs> offensive coordinator and he's gonna yeah. be my offensive coordinator that's uh I, that's quite quite the trade right there I would like that uh, yep um let's see here uh teddy the return and two thompson's looks like an improvement on punt return so <laughs> i like that haven't written mine yeah. yet but uh, i'm i'm definitely thinking about about using that uh listen devin Tompkins, w- what a what a fantastic game from him and, and yeah. in one game he looks like a huge upgrade over jalen darden uh, he broke more tackles, slipped more tackles, showed more heart than Jalen uh, Darden uh, ever did. Yeah, and uh, it was physical, it was awesome physical, to see. and like not. A, oh yeah, he had the big run to start the third quarter, got to about midfield, and that was awesome. Because I was saying earlier, you know, he had some returns, didn't go crazy far, but he was willing to take on the contact and go up the middle. And you know what? He was like breaking tackles, but the Bucks didn't do a good job of blocking. So he broke two, but there was another four defenders on him that would take him down. But I said, if he keeps doing that, eventually, might not even be this game, but eventually he's going to break one. And he essentially did with that uh, with that run to midfield to uh, start the third quarter. So kudos to him, you know, um, for showing that yeah. he could be the future returner uh, for this team after this season, I mean, who knows? We don't even know what coaching staff will be here or anything like that. But uh, first game, right. nicely done by Devin Tompkins in his role yeah. um, as the returner. Hey, uh, speaking of kudos, impression. kudos, yeah. cheers, uh, you know, those are in similar categories. You cheers with a drink. You should be cheersing with a uh, Pirate Republic drink. The official beer of PeterReport.com and the Peter Report podcast. They are based out of the Nassau Bahamas. They're invading Florida just in time for football season. Uh, Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original Pirate Code. That's a sense of belonging. Uh, They have three different beers that you can get here in the States right now and the state of Florida. The Long John Pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. That's the, the red can. Then you have the Take No Quarter IPA. That's the green can. It's the best IPA that you'll drink, and there's 7.2% of alcohol in it so uh you can kind of be one and done if uh if that's your choice yeah right and then la- last but certainly not least you can drop an orange slice in the golden haze of piracy belgian wit beer and enjoy that pirate life uh pirate public beer is available at participating retailers like total wine and more lugan's liquors party liquors and select abc liquor stores in the greater tampa bay area they're expanding across the state of florida i get my pirate public beer at uh, abc liquors so live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with pirate republic beer the official beer of pewterreport.com and yep. the pewter report podcast kevin l says scott i told you not to talk yourself into the bucks winning only get yourself hurt that's a fact there's i'm beaten and bruised not as bad as the buccaneers but yeah stupid by me to think that was the case Dumb of me to to think Tom Brady was going to win this game. <laughs> oh, man. We've seen him have some of these games, right? He didn't play well against the Patriots in his homecoming game there. No, he didn't. And, uh, you know, th- th- this wasn't just Tom Brady, folks. This was, this was a total team ass-kicking, as 
as uh, Todd Bull said, got our asses kicked uh, as the coaching staff, uh, as the players on offense, defense, et cetera. This, this was bad all the way around. Um, yeah, yeah, not good. And the defense started dropping like flies too. You know, yeah. um, Jamel Dean left with a toe injury. Joe Tryon Shoinka left with What's a hip happened injury. To Jamel Dean, he's played some awful football. Yeah. Vita Bea, Vita Bea left with a yeah. calf injury very early in the game. And I was saying this before, too. Like, uh, Greg Allman had, had tweeted this out that, um, you know, we're all talking about Tom Brady homecoming game. Vita Bea's high school was nine miles away from Levi Stadium. So yeah. this is very much a homecoming game for Vita Bea as well. And unfortunately, he didn't really get to perform. And the 49ers took full advantage of that. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, his first four rushes of the game, three of them were for 10-plus yards. Even late in the game when Josh Johnson was in and they had Mason, the running back in, he ran with no issue at all. So, I mean, I still would blame the offense more than the defense for what went on today, but the defense. But it was both. The defense had, I think, their second worst game. Uh, maybe even their worst game. Obviously, the, the Chiefs game comes to yeah. mind with no, the, the, the Ravens game, too, over. was really bad. Ravens I, I game was bad you, for, for a second half, for sure. Yeah, you group, yeah. group this together, the second half of the Ravens game, this 49ers game, the Chiefs game, all three of those really, really bad performances. Leo with the Super Chat. We appreciate Thank you, Leo. Super Chats. Thank you all. Uh, $2. Bulls' chances of getting fired increase now, I, I think – what has to happen for Todd Bowles to go is they have to lose the next four games. I think if if this team finishes six and eleven, right? That's what they would be six and eleven. Yeah. Losing what what has been at least a a, a one game lead all year long, right? Mm-hmm. In the NFC South uh, division, that would be bad, especially with Tom Brady. Um, everything I'm hearing though is because the offense has been so pathetic this year that they're going to be making uh, some changes probably on the offensive side of the ball. And, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll see the defense for the most part this year has played reasonably well. Yes. Has, has not been dominant. Uh, they, they've slipped it against the run. They still have a hard time getting takeaways. The playmakers in this team have just not made as many plays. Carlton Davis, what no interceptions, Still, no and he's had a couple, not this game specifically, yeah. but he's had games where he could have came yeah. away with a pick. And right, just didn't. so no interceptions from him, no interceptions for Levante, no interceptions for Devin White. Uh, the, you know, th- those are three big time playmakers making a lot of money. Um, Anton Winfield has been hurt a lot this yeah. this year. Uh, Jamel Dean started off the year strong and has absolutely faded. Mike Edwards has not played anywhere close to the level of Jordan Whitehead. Now, uh, Joe Tryon-Chewinka has been a disappointment. There's some growing concern with him within the organization that, you know, he may not pan out. We'll see. Honestly, and the pass rush in general wasn't there today, even when they did blitz again outside of the first play of the game with Keanu Neal. Yeah. No one of the pass rushers showing up besides Carl Nassib. I think, once again, Carl Nassib was probably the best yeah. defensive tackle uh in the game anthony nelson got robbed of, of an interception but you know that's him yeah. dropping back in coverage i'm not gonna rely yeah. on him i think nelly played pretty well yeah i think he had seven yeah. tackles in the game he, i think both he had a much better game than he had previously and again the lack of turnovers the only turnover the bucks got today is because debo samuel had to get carted off after an right. ankle injury debo samuel yeah. and i feel terrible for him because that looked like a bad injury it looked like they said yeah. he had a, a high ankle sprain 
he only fumbled that because he got really hurt on the play. It wasn't like someone knocked right. the ball loose. That was an injury drop exactly. the ball type of uh type of play. So uh once yeah. again, the Bucks get a favorable turnover that they probably didn't necessarily deserve. Uh Brian here with oh, the five uh, four ninety nine super chat. Thank you, Brian. I better not see any 2022 NFC South champ shirts in public. That yeah. would be a waste of money. I'm not trying to take money out of the, the Bucks pockets, but I never understood yeah. why fans would buy like division champ or this type of champ. Right. Like, I don't know. Unless I can understand NFC champion yeah. or AFC champion, but right. I don't know. It seems like I mean, really, like, really all that means is you lost the Super Bowl, right? If you're like, if you're sporting right. that around, like I who mean, has a, uh, who has a 2021 Bucks? NFC South division champion shirt, you know, <laughs> like, right? Exactly. That's yeah. a fair point. Exactly. Matthew with another super chat here, a scary special teams coach, uh, wait this long to play, uh, Tompkins. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not just the special teams coach. It's the personnel. It's the coaching staff. They waited too long in this. I, I talked behind the scenes and with some people that said that, yeah, they should have made this move earlier. Um, and you know what? I think that's part of the problem with this with this entire coaching slash personnel staff this year is they waited too long to pull Luke Gedeke out of the starting lineup for Nick Leverett. They waited too long to make the switch for Jalen Darden uh, to to Devin Tompkins. And if you remember uh, during the week, um, I, I I told you who the kickoff return guy was going to be and the part return yep. guy was going to be on Saturday. They made that move on Saturday. It was Devin Tompkins. I knew that. I just couldn't say it, but. Um, that that was that's who was going to be the guy, and they're pretty excited about what this guy can do, and he's going to see some time on offense probably at later towards the end of the season here. Um, you know, not not a whole bunch, but I mean, he he might steal a couple snaps from Scotty Miller. It's such a shame for Scotty Miller because he got beat too. On uh, I mean, he he beat his guy. He beat yeah. By like Julio Jones snaps. beat his guy. Yeah, Tom Brady just could not get the ball down the field today to save his life. It was bad. No, he couldn't. Hey, uh, I saw another super chat in there, but first, let's hear a message from our friends at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara, and I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time, and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Put my last $4 on the table. Next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it. Right. Anybody can win. It's Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. No, this uh, this weekend I was watching uh, I was uh, watching something on the TV and the Seminole Hard Rock commercial came on and I was like yeah. that gif of Leo pointing I'm like oh like I know that commercial because we play it here so uh, yeah check out the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa uh, when you get a chance always a good time you know in that commercial one of those guys says even a blind squirrel can find the nut sometimes that's kind of like the yeah. bucks offense finding the end zone right <laughs> with a touchdown yeah I mean, it's like <laughs> it, it really is it it, it took. It took a Chris Godwin, you know, a deflected pass, drop, whatever you want to call it, 
to, to get into Russell Gage's uh, arms at the one foot line. It looked to me too, like his knee was down. I know they reviewed the play mat. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the refs just said, listen, we've called every stinking call, uh, you know, against the Buccaneers today. Tom Brady got choked on, on one pass rush. He got clubbed in the back of the head. There's no calls whatsoever by the yeah. officials. I think the officials said, you know what? Technically his knee was down. Gage's knee was down like the one foot line. Screw. We're just going to give it to him. I mean, these guys, they're not going to, they were giving otherwise. him. Yeah. They're giving him so. such a hard time. It's like, they finally reached the end zone. We're going to take t- 15 minutes to, uh, to review this. And I was thinking like, oh, of course they're, yeah. they're going to give it to them on the one inch line and they're not going to be able to score. Yep. Cause that's uh that's the box MO right there. Catamax yep. with another super chat. Thank you. Catamax. This uh, $5 super chat. Our D-line and O-line, parentheses, injuries, are a combined nightmare. I'm afraid draft and free agency will not be enough to fix our D and O-lines. Well, the offensive line, again, dealing with injuries, no Ryan Jensen, no Tristan Wirfs, um, and subpar play from Donovan Smith. So I think the offensive line in a perfect world is a little easier to be to be fixed. You just need the guys to get healthy. I just, I don't think you're necessarily going to see that this year. I mean, Ryan Jensen, if anyone's holding out hope that he's going to return, I mean, I'm certainly not. If he shows up, he shows up, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at that as he's going to be the guy that kicks everything into high gear uh, for the Bucks. Defensively, I can see them getting younger. I mean, they obviously have Logan Hall, who's a rookie right now, but you know, outside of that, Will Golston, getting up there in football age a little bit, you know, Nacho, yeah. a, a reserve player. Wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes to the D-line next season. Akeem Hicks. Yeah. Healthier now. We'll see if he can do that for the, the, the final stretch of the season. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know that, that Akeem Hicks by himself has been any sort of a difference maker whatsoever against the run or the pass. Has he helped the play of B to Vea when Vea has been healthy? Probably, but... Uh, Akeem Hicks, I, I don't think has been the difference maker at all that they expected him to be. Certainly, he certainly hasn't been better than Dominican Sue. Now, if Dominican Sue had come back this year, would a 35-year-old Dominican Sue be better than last year's 34-year-old Dominican Sue? I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to, to say. But uh, um, but the problem is, is the Bucks are going to be a little cap strapped this year. Matt. Yeah, and, and I think they're going to have to rely on another good draft. And some of these these draft picks that they've invested in to to develop and play better, quite frankly, than than they played this year. And I'm talking about guys like Logan Hall and JTS up front on that defensive line. And you know, we talked about the offensive line a little bit. It'll be interesting, right? When Ryan Jensen comes back next year, then you throw Robert Hainsey into the mix at left guard, Matt. And you've got yeah, you've got Nick Leverett, you've got Luke Edicke, you've got Robert Hainsey. So you have another, you've got another option or two uh at at that left guard position of if, if Gedeke if he can improve and, and get better and, and re-enter that that training camp mix uh, as as a as a much better product than he was as a rookie this year, uh, mm-hmm. Nick Leverett, I'm sure he wants to hang on to that job. And Robert Hainsey, I think, has played better than most uh, have have uh, forecasted too. He certainly has not been the problem up front, and but maybe he's a question. better left guard than than even uh, Nick Leverett next year. My only issue with Robert Hainsey today is some of his snaps were really pissing me off because they there were like couple, high yeah, and like Brady had to yeah. jump. But um, yeah, outside of that, let's remember Robert Hainsey was a guy that played tackle in college and then went to the senior bowl, never playing a guard position before and said, 
yeah, I'll play guard. No big deal. Yeah. I'm only playing for my NFL career in front of right. scouts and everyone else uh, putting on this audition. And he showed no fear doing that. And that's partially why, not the, the whole reason why, but part of the reason why the Bucks drafted him, that he was so willing to be a, a versatile offensive player. So he could definitely be in the running for, uh, you know, a starting guard position next season. And then I think it'll really help the Bucks with their depth overall. Cause you get you got to remember like Aaron Stinney, we'll see where he is next year, but he got injured in training camp. And if he's available, you know, he's a guy that was starting on the offensive line when they won a Super Bowl. So, yeah. um, you know, people get mad at the overall depth and, um, and um, like, why aren't they doing this? Or why aren't they doing that? Well, you know, sometimes when you have so many injuries, Mm-hmm. you can only put up your hands and say, we did what we did. We did yeah. what we could, you know, and yeah. when you have injuries to two starters on the offensive line, I don't know what else you can really do. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Oxentine from Overland Park, Kansas, my old stomping grounds, Logan Hall and JTS are wasted picks on defense. I think it's way too early to say that defensive linemen, they they can really take some time to develop. Uh, sometimes you get these guys that come out of the gates, but they're, they're far and few between. Mm-hmm. Logan Hall is going to be a different player when he puts 10 to 15 pounds on him. He's yeah. 290 pounds right now. I asked him the other day. And it's a struggle for him to kind of maintain that weight during football season. But at 305, I think he's going to be uh, bigger, more stout at the point of attack and hold up better in the run game. He'll be a different player. Uh, JTS. Were the expectations too high for him? Because well, now he has to be the number one guy because Shaq got hurt. So JTS yeah. became the de facto guy. Yeah, he's, he's coming clearly, into the season where it's his first time being the full-time starter because he right. you, was used rotationally last year. Right. And, and, I'm just and, asking, and, were the expectations too high? I don't think they were too high because, I mean, it, it's it was his time. He's, you know, he's a first-round pick. I mean, he's the number 32 pick, but he's still a first-rounder. And and he's got all the athleticism in the world. He He wants it. He tries hard. He's very athletic. He he hustles. It's just it's a technique thing. And you know, he literally played one and a half seasons at, at Washington. Didn't yep. play during the COVID year, but it wasn't even that big of a deal because the Pac-12 that year, Matt, they only played four games during COVID. I mean, the SEC played all their games. In yep. the South, they're like, screw COVID. We don't care. We're playing football, damn it. Uh, it wasn't the case in the West Coast. They were a little bit more sensitive to that, and they only played four games. JTS sat out those those four games, and then last year he was playing left end, right end, nickel rusher inside, and and uh, I, I just think he's a work in progress. The tools are there. Will he will he be able to put it all together? I don't know, and I don't think this this um, this staff knows quite yet. But next year is going to be a big year for JTS. I expected more than three and a half sacks from him right now. I'll just say that, and I think this I think this organization did too. So we'll see. He has two more years on a contract, three more if they pick up the fifth-year option. Again, the tools are there. We'll yeah. see. No, you're right. I, I think everyone would have thought he would have had three and a half more, uh, more than three and a half sacks on the season. And next year is going to be huge for him because yeah. the training gloves will officially be off at this point. And um, just to comment yeah. real quick on, on Logan Hall, as you said, it's, it's way too yeah. early. I think we got to understand that not every rookie comes out of the gates and is spectacular. We got spoiled right. with like Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tristan Wirfs, where they were oh, just yeah. Yeah. incredible <laughs> yes. right away. But you know, you got to remember guys like Vita Vea were the top dog when they first 
you know, got into the league and were a rookie. Some guys, it takes a little more time to develop. And I think that's the case with Logan Hall right now. He's not even getting a lot of playing time. Yeah. So you can't say like, oh, well, why isn't he doing this? Well, he gets like 12 snaps a game. It's really tough to, yeah. you know, be a true, true, like credible player in, in those type of situations. Yeah. Um, let's see. Move Werfs to left tackle. You know, that's something that that obviously it bears watching for, for next season, not this year, but for next year. Uh, I, I still think that this team is hopeful that Donovan Smith, he's dealing with a lot of personal issues. Uh, I tweeted this out during the game, though. At the same time, man, so was Tom Brady, right, going through a divorce. And you got to be able to compartmentalize uh, and and do your job at some point. I mean, you you, ha- you have a job, and and it's, it's kind of year-round. But, Matt, honestly, it's 17 Sundays, right? It's seven. It's well, in a Monday, but I mean, in a Thursday. But a it's, Thursday, seven, yeah. it's 17 <laughs> days. 17 days out of the year, this team really needs you to show the you-know-what up. Show yeah. the you-know-what up. And, and, and you got to be able to block that crap out for three hours and focus and do your job. There's a, a lot of people counting on you, man. You play a very important position. And if, and if you can't play that well, if you can't play up to your standard and what this team expects you to play, and you're going to let your technique slip, then, then honestly, just tell the team, I, I, I'm, I'm opting out this week. And put Brandon Walton in there and see what he can do. Because uh, I know Brandon Walton wants it. And and uh, I very disappointed in Donovan Smith. I, I feel bad for for some of the stuff he's going through. It's it's really difficult stuff. But at the same time, man, it's three hours. This team needs you for three hours once a week, and and you got to block that stuff out and show up. There's a lot of people around this world going through the same stuff that Donovan Smith's going through. They still show up and do their job, and and do it damn well. And some of them are in the armed forces. Some of them are in the police. Some of them are are frontline, you know, doctors and nurses and paramedics and 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 people that do way more important things to cover football for a living or even play football. I'll just say that he needs to play better or just not play at all. Yeah, and I'm not going to tell him how to to feel or what he should do, but I almost feel like sometimes if you got some personal stuff going on, like playing in the game or for fans like watching the game, it. It's almost like a needed distraction from whatever else is going on. Yeah, um, that's all. That's all I'll say about that yeah. because compartmentalize um, it, man. You know, uh, make the football your sanctuary and um, and and play better. Yeah, hopefully Donovan can uh, you know rejuvenate his game a little bit down the stretch because the Bucks absolutely unequivocally will need him. And so uh, let's hear a message from. Our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Watching these Buccaneers every week, uh, I feel like like I'm aging rapidly. I just am. They're like literally taking years off my life. But thankfully, Age Rejuvenation, with the Age Rejuvenation, I can fight back. John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer tight end, good friend of mine, good friend of our program here. Uh, is, is He's been doing Age Rejuvenation for over a year now. I'm about six months in. And it's made a world of difference for me. I turned 50. John only turned 43. I feel I feel jealous. John's younger than I am. 
But John feels like he can still play in the NFL, uh, even at age 43. I know I can't play uh, any type of sports anymore at 50, but uh, I, I do feel younger. I feel like I'm 40. I feel like I want to play. Let's put it that way. I know I can't, but I feel like I want to. And I didn't feel that way until I went to age rejuvenation. And I found out I had low testosterone, like most men in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. I had low energy. It was dragging during the middle of the day, having to crush another Celsius, two a day, just to get through. And then and then what? To fall asleep on the couch at 9 o'clock at night watching TV? Felt like a damn loser. If this is happening to you, if you don't have the energy, the stamina, the, the go-getting uh, type of, of mentality that you used to have, go to agerejuvenation.com. Sign up for a free consultation. They'll do your blood work. Insurance will pay for it. You might have low testosterone. If you do, fight it with the testosterone therapy. Give the gift of health to yourself this holiday season. Agerejuvenation.com. They have five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Uh, I should have done this years ago. Don't wait. Put yourself first. Put your health first with age rejuvenation this holiday season. Make sure you check it out. Would be a great gift uh, for yourself or uh, for someone else, too. Uh, before we get out of here, I, one thing I want to talk about, too, um, since we talk a lot about offense, defense, uh, special teams with Devin Tompkins. Um, another theme, especially in the past couple of weeks of the season, it's just been uh, game management and coaching tactics and yeah. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, we said that he could have been the MVP of the team this season, but Ryan Suckup's shank of a 55-yarder, the yeah. whole thing, how it went down, where it was like they were going to go for it, then they wasted a timeout, or they had Suckup out on the field, and then called the timeout, decided yeah. to stick I think, with I think it. Time was, running, time was running down, right? And right. They, well, they, they made the call late to go decision. with it. Well, then that plays into it, making, making the late yeah. call. Then it's a 55-yarder, which would have been, what, a, a career best for Ryan Suckup in a game where it was, like, windy, yeah. and I think people were saying that, like, 51 may have been, like, the limit for him. Right. Like, what was going on with that decision there? Like That just goes into the bad game management that Todd Bowles has had for multiple weeks. It, it does. Multiple it, weeks. It, it was a bad call. I'm not going to defend it. I think the reason why he did it, I wouldn't have done it. I would have punted, but I think the reason why he did it was – was because he knows this offense is, is sucks and is terrible, and he's going to try to get as many points as he can now. He's heard the, the the cries from the masses about just going for, trying to get points, trying to do anything you can to help your your offense out, and and uh, it probably wasn't the right call, but I think that's what he what he did. He he said, uh, "Let's just try to get some points here, maybe get some momentum," but you know it it didn't work out, and yeah. a lot of his game management calls haven't really worked out uh, this year. <laughs> Uh, Will it's, Williams, this is interesting. He says, Leftwich just calls plays. He doesn't figure out what defenses are trying to do and exploit coverages. Uh, he literally just calls random plays. And I'm going to tell you that's exactly what he does. That's yeah, exactly it seems like he it. He doesn't, I've, I've heard that. He doesn't take advantage of, of weaknesses of the other team. No. Nope. Um, I've heard that within the building. I'll just leave it. Yeah, at that. that's, that's a huge exact, problem. That's exactly what he does. Yeah, it is. It's a huge problem. This this offense is so bad that like you you have no idea how bad it is. You think it's bad because you watch it. It's bad. It's awful. And I I I can't really say anything more than that. Just watch. He's just watch. Just watch. Just yeah. Watch. Yeah. Uh, I think we should end it on that note. Just to watch, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, yeah. we appreciate everyone 
that uh, stayed for this. We know it's late at night and the game was terrible for the Bucks, but we love all yes. of our Peter people. Uh, just a reminder, we're going to have the Peter Tailgate show and the Peter Game Day show uh, yeah. next it's week. Wrong for, yeah, it's wrong times. Yeah, it's wrong time. That's all right. Uh, Sorry about that. That's my yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks play later against the Bengals. It's a four o'clock yeah. game or 425. Um, so we'll have the, the Peter Tailgate show live from walk-ons at 2.30. Yeah. yeah, and the game. We'll be on a 425 live in-game and analysis, uh, just like we did today. And I don't think the game could be as bad as it was today. So we always have fun regardless, mm. but uh, mm. we'll see. Know. We'll see. We'll see if the Bucks can uh, top themselves. It could be really bad. I, the, the reason why I, I I thought this was a 1 o'clock game, I think it's the Panthers game, the home game against the Panthers is yeah. 1 o'clock. But the reason why I, I think in my mind I thought the Bengals game was 1 o'clock was because I wanted to get over with as soon as possible. I it hear ruin my I, evening. I, I, <laughs> it just ruins my day, not my evening. And I think that's why I had yeah, that way. I don't uh, I don't blame you at all. And if you like our coverage at pewterreport.com, give us a follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, our social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is at Pewter Report, and our YouTube channel is at uh Pewter Report TV. If you like our podcast, our live streams of the various videos that we put up on our YouTube channel, uh, would really appreciate if you guys could subscribe to that. Cost you absolutely nothing. It's just a quick heads up of, hey, Peter Report is either going live or they put out some new content. So um, would really appreciate if you guys could do that. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the Buck season, which hopefully will be in the playoffs. Hopefully the Super Bowl. But, I mean, let's be honest, the way yeah, that it's going, it's uh, not happening. That's, not, uh, that's not going to be the case there. So would really appreciate if you guys could do that. And uh, last bit of business, obviously this game was egregious, so I wanted to have some fun with everyone. And uh, yeah. I, I asked people on the live stream and on Twitter to pick a song for the uh, for the, the theme song for today's show. I narrowed it down to, uh, based on various suggestions by people, I narrowed it down to um, Hurt by Johnny Cash, Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit, right. Bodies by uh, Drowning Pool, or Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. I like Symphony um, of Destruction. That's good. Yeah, so feel free to vote. It's it's a close race between Symphony of Destruction and Hurt. But you have another yeah. 45 minutes if you want to uh, vote on that. Would uh, appreciate if you if you guys wanted to do that. And um, if you're listening to this on audio, you know what the winner was because you would have right. already heard the intro. Um, so fear not. We will also be back tomorrow, 4 o'clock, do some roll call, yeah. further dissect the aftermath of this uh, debacle that was the Bucks 35-7 loss to the 49ers but until then enjoy some pirate republic as you watch the rest of this uh sunday night game between the dolphins and chargers that has zero effect on the box but we yep. love football in general so uh until tomorrow for scott reynolds i'm matt matera saying thank you everybody for watching and listening and we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the pewter report podcast out out roll call tomorrow 420 roll call